Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Thursday on this July the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2021, Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and my normal buddy, Wes Reimnitz, is on assignment today, so I'm all by myself. So what are we going to be talking about? Well, I get about 300 emails a day of which only about 20 are worth looking at because a lot of them want me to take a trip to Florida or to Alaska or there must be at least 10 of them where I supposedly have inherited over a million dollars and all I have to do is give my bank account number, etc., and I'll get that money. Well, you can imagine, I just skip all of those. But of, of those that I did see, uh, there was one entitled Juicy Ecumenism. And it's from the Institute on Religion and Democracy's blog. It's all about a woman pastor. Her name is Sue Halpert Johnson. And it begins by saying she's already earned a reputation as a Methodist bully. But this week, she used her authority as Bishop of the United Methodist Church's North Georgia Conference to take heavy-handed to a whole new level. In a shocking escalation of an ongoing crisis, her regime has now moved to suddenly and immediately seize complete control of the operations and considerable assets of a conservative megachurch. Now, that can happen in the United Church, in the United Methodist Church, because the bishops have that kind of power. They can decide who's going to be the pastor and every other thing. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is a secular newspaper, and it is calling her choice a stunning decision and an extremely rare move. Now, you need to have some background. Uh, First of all, I'm a member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and there's no way that we have what's called district presidents. We've got 35 districts in the United States. And uh, for example, I'm in the Missouri district. The president of the Missouri district does have power, but he doesn't have the ability to go into a congregation and take all their funding and decide who's going to be the pastor, who's going to be the teachers, etc. But that can occur in the United Methodist Church. Our leadership, district presidents, they can remove a pastor on certain grounds. For example, if the pastor is teaching false doctrine, that has occurred. Or if a pastor has an illicit relationship with another woman, that has occurred. Or if a pastor just simply isn't doing his job, refuses to meet with 
shut-ins or see hospital calls, spends his time fishing. In fact, when I was a circuit counselor, which is again an office underneath the district president, I helped remove three pastors for various reasons. One of them was an alcoholic and it was just ruining the congregation. So that is possible, but there's a process you go through and the individual certainly can say, hey, I want to defend myself. All right, some background though with this Methodist woman. And the article has a picture of her garbed as a pastor. I can't think of anything worse in God's sight for a woman to be than she thinks a pastor of the church. She's not. She may have the title, but that doesn't mean that God considers her a pastor because women are not permitted to be pastors according to the scripture. So, a little background to what happened here. In the denomination of the United Methodist Church, the bishops appoint pastors and the governing book of discipline requires bishops and district superintendents to consult with pastors and congregations, staff parish relation committees before moving clergy, stating their consultation is not merely notification. This is especially important for the megachurches. The one that she is taking all the money is Mount Bethel. It has over 10,000 members. It has its own private K-12 school and more than 300 employees. It is the largest congregation in the North Georgia Conference, which is the United Methodist Church's largest church in that area. And she went ahead and decided to take the money. Without respecting the guidelines that the church has, namely requiring consulting process, the senior pastor, Jody Ray, was abruptly notified last spring that he would be moved away from the congregation. This has been widely perceived as this woman liberal bishop bullying an outspokenly theological conservative as a United Methodist pastor and congregation. If anyone claims, the article says, this was about pastoral effectiveness, the official records show that since this pastor became senior pastor in 2016, Mount Bethel's pre-pandemic membership and worship attendance had been an upward trajectory and giving had also been consistently growing. You wonder, the statement goes on, how many of Halpert Johnson's 
favored rainbow flag flying pastors can say the same. Now, we know what is meant by a rainbow flying pastor. That's homosexuals. So she has no problem with homosexual pastors, two males getting married. It doesn't say she's for abortion, but I'm sure she is. The conflict with the bishop escalated to the point that Ray surrendered his ordination credentials, but then he was hired directly by the congregation as a layman. And Mount Bethel's leadership decided to seek to leave the denomination. This happened in late April. The pastor explained, that we would likely be in a very different place if Halpert Johnson had approached him earlier and given him a chance to discuss, shape, and pray about the new conference staff position to which she had wanted to remove him. But there was no conversation, no consultation at all. Now, that should be expected from a pastor who is a woman because she, first of all, is going against the will of God in the fact that she thinks she can be a pastor. But it turns out, the article goes on, that even bullying a faithful United Methodist pastor into being effectively defrocked and bullying a huge evangelical congregation out of the denomination was apparently not enough blood to satisfy this woman pastor, this woman bishop. On Monday, the North Georgia Conference website announced that Halpert Johnson and her conference administration has now moved to seize control of all assets of the local church. And this is effective immediately and that employment, instruction activities, and worship at the church and at school will now continue under the direction and control of the Conference Board of Trustees. By the way, the reported value of the congregation's property and equipment comes to $34.5 million. In a particularly Orwellian phrase, this woman, so-called pastor, claims that in choosing to take such an extraordinary, bullying, ungracious, and entirely unnecessary aggression against fellow United Methodists, they are actually, I get this quote, acting out of love for the church and its mission. You know, this word love really needs to be analyzed when you hear it these days. In fact, we're often talking about that you're going to heaven because God loves you. No, that's not true. God loves those he sends to hell. So it's not his love that decides whether you go to heaven or hell. 
It's instead whether you have faith in Jesus Christ. And how many times have we heard homosexual partners say, well, we love each other, and therefore God cannot be against that. I mean, we were born that way. Now, they don't use that argument when a pedophile says, well, I was born that way, or a woman who is accosted by a man, and the man says, well, I was born that way. No. If you were born that way, which you were, that is a sin. It's called original sin. And those churches that don't believe in original sin, of course, believe, well, I can do whatever I want in the ethical sphere. And why? Because the Holy Spirit is guiding me. So it's not the Bible that I have to listen to. It's rather the Holy Spirit within me. So after she says that she's doing this, taking all this money, kind of telling the church, I'll say who's doing the preaching. I'll say who's taking care of the worship. Mount Bethel promptly issued its own statement. Regarding North Georgia Conference UMC Bishop Sue Halpert Johnson's move to close Mount Bethel, UMC's doors, and seize its assets, the Mount Bethel leaders say that Halpert Johnson has failed to resolve quietly and amicably a crisis of her own making and instead is now engaging attorneys to go to civil court to seize assets that the faithful people at Mount Bethel have freely and joyfully given for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and deed. Now, what they're talking about is, of course, a very conservative point of view. And this woman pastor, because she's a woman pastor, can't stand being conservative. And so she takes this action. Now, the church's statement continues. While Bishop Johnson claims she is acting out of love for the church and its mission, enlisting attorneys in the courts to seize assets is a strange way for a bishop to show her love for one of the healthiest churches in her conference. Indeed, she writes, saying I'm only hurting and bullying you because I love you is the sort of talk one expects from domestic abusers, not from any legitimate United Methodist or other Christian leader. Now, that's a really good point. She says, I'm doing this because I love you. How many husbands beat up their wives? And I'm always amazed that when the police come, the wife gets angry at the police. No, don't take him away. No, leave him, even though she may be bleeding and be beat up. You see, this is really correct, that she is a domestic abuser. 
But don't be surprised. This group of United Methodist churches voted her to become the bishop. So they ought not be surprised that she is escalating a crisis of her own making. The statement from the church says, the people of Mount Bethel Church will do all in their power to resist the aggressive actions against their church. 1 Corinthians 6 is rather strongly worded in forbidding the pursuit of lawsuits against fellow Christians as this woman so-called pastor is now doing. Her choice to disregard this clear biblical value in such an aggressive, bullying way indicates that she does not regard her fellow United Methodists in Mount Bethel Church as brothers and sisters in Christ in any meaningful way, or that she is just as willing to disregard any other part of Scripture just as she rejects the sexual morality teachings of other parts of 1 Corinthians 6. Well, expect that. If you are dealing in your congregation with a woman pastor, then you are not taking care of your children because she's going to be teaching in youth confirmation and in adult instruction that which is absolutely contrary to the Word of God. Now, some of the woman pastors may not be as liberal as this one is, but they all have to be liberal in the sense of denying the Word of God. Now, they talk about that she already has notoriously led the United Methodist churches in a heavy-handed liberal way, along with North Texas Bishop Mike McGee, she serves on the leadership team of the aggressive UMC Next Caucus. This level of regular partisan involvement is extremely rare for any active bishop, as most others feel at least some need to maintain trust with people in their conferences against the theological spectrum. But she has publicly claimed to want to include theological traditionalists, but such rhetoric rings hollow in light of her actions, like not appointing a single strong theological traditionalist district superintendent. Everybody, she points, is kind of a rainbow guy. Now, her approach to United Methodist leadership has therefore been fundamentally bullying and dictatorial. Multiple knowledgeable sources in that conference report an atmosphere of pastors feeling intimidated against publicly descending from the liberal vision that she has been imposing on North Georgia. She appears to be effectively pressuring North Georgia pastors 
to make their loyalty to Jesus Christ, Scripture, and our denomination's duly enacted moral standards in the discipline, all secondary to and trumped by the loyalty Bishop Sue demands to herself and to her unilaterally declared visions of how the church should be. Despite her rather non-humbly claiming to speak for Jesus Christ as a forceful opposition to biblical teaching on sexuality, Good News has helpful historical overviews of the fight she chose to pick with Mount Bethel. Her suspiciously changing her stories and reasons to not trust the official message concerning from her conference office. Now, that's also very true, that a woman pastor will lie. She lies because she's already lying about God's word. Why these people are surprised is beyond me. And, And I hope they leave the denomination And I'll tell you, they'll have welcoming arms in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, after they understand what the Bible truly teaches in many areas. One of the most glaring hypocrisies of this crisis is that her self-serving weaponization of the trust clause, that part of church law, stipulating that congregational property is held in trust for the denomination. As Asbury Seminary President explains, the historical purpose of the trust clause was to help ensure that biblical Wesleyan doctrine was consistently preached in all Methodist congregations. But now, this so-called woman pastor is using this trust clause as a cruel weapon against those who would dare to publicly dissent from her teachings and also against the denomination's official, historic, doctrinal, and moral standards. In the meantime, she has shown less interest in upholding church law when it's not been as convenient for her personal ambitions or liberal ideology. She has spoken affirmatively of lesbian activist Karen Olivetto, continuing to illegitimately occupy the Denver Bishop's office in blatant violation of church law. Halpert has even publicly declared, despite Oliveto's widely known public record of post-Christian radicalism, as defending the alleged benefits of demon possession previously serving as senior pastor of a nominally United Methodist congregation that even liberals admit was not a Christian church 
in any meaningful sense by calling Jesus Christ a bigot. That Karen Oliveto is one of the worst bishops that people have ever seen. And of course, that just makes sense. Not everyone sees anything wrong with this record action against Mount Bethel. There's a Reverend Eric Alsgaard, who until just a couple of weeks ago was a longtime top communications Stanford staffer for the Baltimore-Washington conference and was quick to troll a theologically orthodox pastor on social media by expressing support for this top-down aggression. So we don't know what's going to happen, but we pray that the church is going to be able to defeat this woman pastor, even if it means going to court. She made that choice. But again, it's a clear signal of what happens to a congregation when they're in a mindset to appoint over them a female to be pastor. We'll be talking more about this as we find out about it. And you can even ask some questions on tomorrow's Open Mic Friday. Simply send me an email at longgospel at longgospel101.com. And I, Tom Baker, will be glad to respond if we're able to hold uh, an answer. Until then, just be careful about what is happening in this country. And God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.